Thank you, Fretwell family, for joining us, participating with the Advent uh, lighting this week. Hey, if you're in middle school, you are dismissed right now. Your leaders are in the back of the room. They'll take you just across the hallway for the rest of your service. We'd love to have you participate in the middle school portion of that service. We are in the middle of a series called Let Heaven and Nature Sing, a phrase that we just wholeheartedly stole from the song Joy to the World. So just full disclosure, uh, we weren't that creative. We took someone else's creativity, made it ours. Um, And we are pairing the different themes of Advent with this phrase or different phrases from Joy to the World. Today's message is titled Repeat the Sounding Joy. Repeat the Sounding Joy. Joy, playing off our Advent theme this week of joy. And as we start, I just want to have you think back to the Christmases of past and think about some of your favorite Christmas gifts, like the best ones you've ever received. Just think for a moment about some of the best Christmas gifts you've ever received. One gift that I remember like it was yesterday, I got it when I was 12 years old. And actually what happened in my family, if you were a boy, you turned 12 years old, everybody got the same gift. And not just in my family, but like the whole extended family. This is a big deal for the whole Faust family, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, everybody got in on this. And when we turned 12 years old, we got a shotgun. And I I know there's different opinions on guns and I can handle different opinions on guns. Uh, You have to remember both my grandparents grew up on the farm. I'm from the Midwest. So this was like a real thing. Right? This was a, a, a real big moment for us as, as 12-year-old boys. And uh, we would get that gift. It was almost like a rite of passage. Like you're kind of becoming a young man in the family now. And then we would go out and walk around and shoot pumpkins and things on Christmas Day. It was just like a great, great moment for us. Uh, I, I remember that. And then I, I remember growing up and watching my younger cousins turn 12 and feeling all the same emotions, right? Christmas can do that. It can give you a sense of nostalgia over, over great times in the past. I have, a, I have another memory of a different kind of gift. It was, a, well, actually it was a pretty horrible memory. No, I, it was a prank. I got a prank. My, it, I remember this small little box and it said, to Jeff from you know who. It was from my grandpa, Leon. Ultimately, I figured this out. But I should have known something was up when I grabbed that little box and everybody stopped what they were doing and started staring at me. Like cameras started getting pulled out. and I should have known, but I just ripped into that thing like nothing was wrong. And you know what it was? It was a lump of coal. It was a lump of coal and everybody started laughing and I started feeling nervous and angry at the same time. So I stood up and I took that lump of coal and I chucked it across the the house and I screamed some nonsense and I sat back down. It just made everybody laugh even more at this poor young child. Oh, can you feel my pain this morning? What they didn't know is that I started plotting instantly. For years, I plotted and I plotted and I plotted. And about a decade later, I'd finally come up with the best prank to seek revenge on the entire family. And for three years in a row, I gave them this gift. And it's a story for another day, but you have to trust me. It was way better than the piece of coal that I got that year. Just some kind of self-satisfying prank that I got to return to the family. These gifts, right, these gifts, uh, and I've gone through all the healing I need to so we can just embrace Christmas gifts now. 
<clears throat> right? But when you, think about, when you think about your gifts, like the favorite gifts you've ever gotten, maybe you've gotten them recently, maybe they were an experience, experiential gifts are always really fun, like a vacation, or uh, maybe it was an item, uh, maybe it was uh, a monetary gift that just really like landed at the right time in your life when you really needed uh, a gift like that. Think about the emotions that come with those gifts. Right, think about the emotions. Some of you probably just felt an incredible uh, surprise, right? Like you, you were just completely shocked. Uh, others of us, we, we feel like a, a sense of belonging that we've never felt before. Like this gift was so perfectly picked out for me. Like they know me, they know that I would love this gift and it, and it meant so much to you. Definitely, uh, you, you probably felt joy. Probably feel just this internal joy of, of, of delight that's just overwhelming. And this has to be at least a, a small reflection of what God feels when he offers us the best gift that we can imagine, the gift of Jesus. I mean, you think back to almost 2,000 years ago today, God sending us the best gift, the kind of gift that will literally change history forever, the gift of Jesus Christ. And now as a parent, when my, parent, when my kids like open up their gifts, I, I feel like just a little bit, a shred of this similar idea of, of watching the joy on someone else's face when you offer them a gift. This has to be at least a, a picture of what God felt when he sent his son to earth. Just waiting with anticipation for how creation would respond to the best gift imaginable, the, the gift of, of Jesus Christ. There's a verse in Joy to, Wor Joy to the World that I want to read. It really helps, I think, unpack kind of the, the type of response that we could have to this beautiful gift, the type of response that, 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 we, that we could demonstrate as we embrace and receive the gift of Jesus this Christmas. It's a, it's a lyric and a verse that I think really helps pull out what we can do individually, but also collectively. And ultimately, it's a, it's a response full of joy. It's a response where we lift our voices in a joyful song to God. This is the verse found in Joy to the World. It says, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. It says, let men their songs employ. In, in other words, let your voice work for you. Let your voice and your songs work for you and let them work up to praise in God. And the verse continues, it says that all of creation is already singing this wonderful song to God. And as we lift our voices, naturally, really what we're doing is we're just joining in a song that creation is already declaring back to God. We're joining in all of creation this declaration, joy to the world, the Savior reigns. And this lyric dovetails right 
into our text in, in kind of just a perfect way for today. We're, our text is going to be from Luke 2, The Shepherds in the Fields. It's a great text for us because it plays off this idea of repeat the sounding joy. And I think that as we navigate the scripture together this morning, we'll be able to take some application points in a really, really personal way and have them be plugged into our life this Christmas season. So let's, uh, let's flip to, John, or to Luke, excuse me, Luke 2. I'm going to read verses 8 to 16. This is more, this morning, this is what it says. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. This is an amazing moment in human history. A moment that changed history forever. And I love how God kind of unfolded this whole story. I mean, if you think about it and pause and, and just navigate through the scripture with me for a little bit, here are these shepherds completely minding their own business. And by the way, it's the shepherds on night watch, right? Like in today's world, these are the folks that maybe just started the job and it was the only time slot that was left. So they had to work nights or they needed time and a half for overtime. And so they, they opted for the night shift so that they could bring home the bacon, right? These shepherds are just minding their own business in the fields. And then suddenly this divine interaction between heaven and earth. And actually it says two different times in the text, suddenly an angel appeared. Suddenly an army of angels appeared. It's these sudden moments, these sudden exposures to this divine interaction that I think makes this story so special. And I love how the angels, when they show up, they're always like, don't be afraid. Like that helps a ton, right? Like the sky's lit up with an entire army of angels and they're like, don't be afraid. It's like telling someone who's anxious, stop being anxious, right? It doesn't really work that way. That, don't tell me that right now. I don't need to hear that. But they just say, don't be afraid. And they hardly give any time. Don't be afraid. And here's the most important thing you've ever heard in your life. Pay attention, right? The son of God is about to be born. And this is how you'll be able to find him. This is how you'll be able to worship him. So off to Bethlehem, the shepherds then go to see about this baby, the one that they were told is the Messiah, the Lord of all creation. They go into Bethlehem and they find the baby just like the angels said. They had to be amazed at what was taking place. Everything in this story, everything in this text tells us they were surprised. It happened suddenly. It happened during the night watch. And in verse 10, it says that it's a good thing, good thing that brings great joy. Good news that brings great joy, but it was an unexpected type of joy. 
It was an unexpected type of joy. These shepherds were just minding their own business, not aware that they were about to be part of the birth narrative of the Messiah. And then God breaks in with unexpected joy. And I believe that this is one of the promises for you and for me, for our our community this Christmas season. I think one of the promises that God wants us to lean into this Christmas, that we need to be looking for unexpected joy. That we need to be looking for unexpected joy. I think this is a promise for some of us this Christmas season. And I, and I don't know how it's going to land in your life. I don't, maybe it already has, and this is just resonating with you. Maybe this seems far off, but I believe that God wants to raise our level of expectation this Christmas to look for unexpected joy. I mean, if you think about the shepherds, right? Minding their own business. And for you in your own life, quite frankly, the unexpected joy that you might see might be something that happens in someone else's life. And you might get to be a part of that joy in their life. And you get to witness that and come around them and rejoice with someone who is rejoicing. That might be part of your story this Christmas. Or it might be just so personal, just for you. Overwhelming, just for you. I think this is an area that God wants us to press into this Christmas, to look and to believe and have faith for unexpected joy. And in a lot of ways, you have an advantage over the shepherds. The shepherds didn't know it was Christmas time. They had no idea it was Christmas. They had no idea that this was about to happen. You at least know, hey, this is a time where spiritual conversations are a little easier to happen with folks. Where, where people are just leaning in a little bit more to generosity. They're leaning in a little bit more to mercy and grace and truth. This cultural phenomenon that has become Christmas is still rooted in the truth that Christ came. And you might just be overwhelmed with this unexpected joy that could come to you this season. He might surprise you. I I think for some of us, we need to take this idea and we need to make it part of our prayer life over the course of the next couple of weeks. And actually, actually pray and ask God to surprise you with unexpected joy this Christmas. It can sound any way that you want it to in your own language, but a prayer of, God, would you show me unexpected joy this Christmas? God, I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I need you to break through in my life. Would you, would you come and meet me with unexpected joy? Maybe life has just been very average, or maybe it's been below average, and you've been struggling, and you've been mourning and grieving and fighting, and you need God to break through in your life. Pray that prayer. Allow God to build your faith for unexpected joy this Christmas because I believe, I truly believe that this is a word for some of us that God will break through this Christmas with unexpected joy. And when it comes, we need to receive it. We really do need to receive it. And I, I, I think this needs to be mentioned. I, some of us in this room have a really hard time receiving things from God. Some of us have a hard time receiving really good things from God. And there's a variety of reasons why we do this to ourselves. Sometimes it's because we we actually don't place a high value on our heart or as high of a value as God places on our own hearts. And so when God shows up in our life with unexpected joy, we almost want to dismiss it. Like, no, I don't deserve that, God. Would you give that to someone else who's really in need? But God might want to give you unexpected joy this Christmas. Right? Sometimes the church has actually perpetuated this idea where where we've told this almost lie where it's, it's a lot of humility if you won't receive things, 
right? Like it's, you'll be a humble, good little servant of God if when uh, unexpected joy comes your way, if you're like, no, no, I can't take that. No. If God wants to give you something, it's because he loves you and he wants to shower his kindness upon you. And sometimes the most humble thing that you can do is to receive and offer nothing in return and just say, thank you, God. I needed that. My life, my heart, my relationships, my family, we needed that. Thank you for that unexpected gift. When God hits you with unexpected joy this Christmas, let me encourage you to receive it. Just receive it with open arms. Thank God for it. Honor him for it. But receive it and allow it to impact your heart. I mean, it would have been really weird if you look at Luke 2. It would have been so weird if the angels would have showed up to the shepherds and said, we bring you good news. Great joy. It's going to change the world. And the shepherd's like, no, you got the wrong group of people. Like the carpenters. They, they've had a really bad year. Why don't you go share this with the carpenters? We don't deserve this. We're just lowly shepherds. In the night. It would have been weird, right? No, they, they listened. They received it. And then they sought it out to see if this was a real thing. The Messiah, the Lord of all creation was born. And now we are forever in the, the narrative of Christ. They didn't push that away. They received that as a gift, a gift from God. It would be tragic. It would be tragic if God wanted to show up in your life this Christmas and for whatever reason you pushed that aside. What would it look like for you to just, with an open heart, receive everything that God has for you this Christmas? It could change your life could change your family, could change your neighborhood, could change your spiritual connection with God in a, in a way that could change the trajectory of your walk with Christ forever. Receive what he has for you this Christmas. I believe that God wants to pour it out. I believe that God wants to meet some of you with unexpected joy this Christmas. But as you continue the text, as you continue looking at the scripture, you realize that having this, this idea, having this anticipation and faith for unexpected joy is really just step one in this text. There's, there's multiple steps to this reality. And as you continue in the text, verses 17 and 18, you see step two. Let me read the text for you. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. If step one is to look for and with faith and anticipation receive unexpected joy this Christmas, then step two is to share your joy publicly. It's to share your joy publicly, to, to share it, to give it away, to be vocal about what God is doing in your heart, in your life, the ways that he's showing up uh, in your relationships. The shepherds were ultimately surprised with the most amazing gift and unexpected event that they could. And literally the next thing they do after going to see if this thing was true in Bethlehem was they started sharing it publicly. They started sharing and telling people about it right away. They were being, they were being incredibly authentic about the experience that they had with God. They didn't try to disqualify it. They didn't try to like mute it or make it just a little bit less than what it actually was. They authentically shared what God had done in their life and the way that he had spoken to them. And there's this beautiful kind of integrity behind their experience and what they're sharing publicly. 
This Christmas, if we can take this idea and, and apply it to our lives, I think, I think the promise is that God might want to show up in our lives with unexpected joy, and then the invitation is to begin sharing it publicly, to begin giving it away when God shows up. I think this is one of the best ways that we can respond, to repeat what God is doing in our life, to repeat the sounding joy, if I may. Over and over again, I, I think the invitation is for us to share these things. I, I'm curious if, if we do a little self-reflection this morning. What, what kinds of things are you repeating these days? What kinds of things are just naturally in your heart, in your mind, in your life that you're repeating these days? Do you have anything going on in your life with God that's worth repeating? I think that's a, that's a good question to kind of wrestle with this morning. God, what are you doing in my life that's just overflowing up and out of my heart that I can't help but share it with someone near to me? What's going on in your life that's, that's worth repeating these days? Typically speaking, if you, if you just kind of take a gauge on your own life, we, we tend to repeat what's important to us. We tend to repeat what we love. Right? And, and so culturally, it's kind of a bummer when you hop on social media and you see, like I actually did the research on this this week, the top three posts that are happening on a continual basis on social media right now are sports, food, and politics. We love those things in America. If we repeat what's important to us, social media, I mean, they have so many algorithms, Big Brother's always listening to you. It's sports, food, and politics. Right? And of course, there's really good things that we share on social media, right? Like if, you, if, you, uh, if we're friends on Facebook, you see probably a lot of pictures of my kids, right? Because I love them. And so I share about them. But these are the things that we typically share. And it's a, it's a generalization, food, sports, politics, but it's generally true. What's going on in your life? What's going on in your life that is worth repeating? Here at our church, I and mean, we have a, a deep, deep desire for this city to come into a relationship with Jesus. And because of that, we share often. You know, I, I like to share often throughout my week about what God is doing in people's lives that I'm connected with, about what God is doing in the lives of folks who attend this church. I, I really believe I'm watching it with my own eyes that hearts are being transformed. That families are, are, are encountering the transformative power of Jesus Christ. That hearts are being reconciled to one another. That God is doing good things in this church. And so I share about it. So I share about it. That's why every Christmas Eve we, we make cards like this. And this is just like a really natural thing that we can be about this Christmas, inviting people into a Christmas Eve service with us. So on your way out, I'd, I'd really encourage you to grab these cards. And pray about who you could invite to join us on Christmas Eve. Pray about who you could share what God is doing in your life, in our life collectively with those who are around you. you know, I mean, if you don't like this church, you don't like my preaching style, maybe don't take these and don't share those. That's, that's okay. Um, but if you really see what God is doing, take these, invite someone in. Because this is the time of year where people are more apt to have spiritual conversations. Actually, one of the things I really love about this church is that we're really good at this. We're really good at bringing people in. I know that we're good at this because many of you in this room right now have introduced me to people that you've brought to church. 
And I love that. Every time I meet somebody that you've brought, I love that. You're sharing about what God is doing in your heart and about what God is doing in our midst. In fact, I have a really cool story just came my way uh, just about a week ago. I don't even know who did this. It's all I know is that you're an Uber driver. And some night you were driving Uber and someone was in your car and you started telling them about what God was doing at Vineyard Church of the Rockies. And I love that. I love that it just naturally came out. The way the story was told to me was like, yeah, there's this new guy who's stepping in. I think he's doing a pretty good job, but, but God's changing lives in this church and I just really love this church. I know that this is a true story because the person that was riding in your car came to church and told me this story. They were so impressed by the way that you shared about what God was doing. I love that. So thank you, Uber driver. Keep up, keep up the good work. That's an awesome, awesome story. We need to, and, and it's not just right, like it's not just about inviting people to church. It's, it's about whatever God is doing in your life. Whatever God is up to in your life, it's worth repeating. It's worth sharing. You don't know that, that as you share with authenticity, as you share with passion, that, that Luke 2.18 might not happen, right? It says that they were astonished. The people who heard this message from the shepherds, they were astonished at what God was doing. So share, share publicly what God is doing in your life. Final step, as we continue to look at the text, look for unexpected joy this Christmas, share that joy publicly, and then finally share that joy privately. The joy you experience, I wanna encourage you to share it privately, or in other words, share it prayerfully. Share it back to God. Share it back to God. Offer it as a praise or a thanks. Offer it in prayer back to him, thanking him for whatever he's doing in your life. We are called, I believe, to share things publicly, but we can never stop sharing things privately back with God in that close and intimate relationship with him. Luke 2.20, as the story continues, it says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen because it was just as the angel had told them. They never stopped thanking. They repeated the sounding joy publicly, but also privately, prayerfully up to God. They thanked him and honored him. And I love that it says they went back to the fields. They went back to their routine. They went back to their, their day job or night job, so to speak. They went back to their normal way of life, but what God had done in their hearts never ceased from coming from their lips. It was always praising and glorifying and magnifying God for everything that they had just encountered. God had introduced them to unexpected joy, invited them in this beautiful Christmas narrative that now we share about year after year after year. But when they went back to work, when they went back to the fields, they kept that praise on their lips. That thankfulness was always in their hearts and they let it be known to God that they were thankful for it, magnifying and glorifying him. I want to encourage you this Christmas to share publicly, but I also want to encourage you to never stop thanking God for what he's doing, blessing him and thanking him for what he's doing in your life. For some of you, that means when you approach God in prayer, that there needs to be a little bit of a shift in how you approach him. That maybe you can approach him and, and, and not apologize for all of the things that you've messed up in the last couple of weeks, but instead approach him with thankfulness in your heart. 
honoring him and praising him. You know, I, I've taught a number of people to pray over the years and I'll never forget when somebody told me that they started doing this and it just changed their prayer life forever because they would try to pray for 10 minutes and nine of it was just apologies and one of it was thanking God. We do this. We do this when shame is bubbling up in our heart. And confession is a real thing. We need to practice confession with God from time to time, right? But what if you just approached him with boldness and just said, thank you, God, for, for this and thank you for, for doing this in my life and thank you for showing up in this way and thank you for the unexpected joy that you're giving to me. Thank him. Share back with him privately what he's doing in your life. As we begin to share publicly, we have to remember that we can never let our public life like outwork our private life with God. Some of us do need to be encouraged to go and share publicly and share what God and, and repeat uh, with others what God is doing in our lives. But some of us, we have to remember that we can never let our private life with God outwork our public life. That, that there needs to be integrity between those two things. And so as we share publicly, let me encourage you, let me encourage you this morning, time and time again, to share privately what God is doing. As we light this candle of joy, which is about ready to hit the table, I'll wrap it up. As we light this candle of joy, as it burns as a representation of this Advent season, I think the invitation is for us to repeat this sounding joy, publicly, privately. And I think it's to be on the lookout for how God wants to show up in our lives, to be watchful, to have faith and expectation that God might move. And yet at the same time as we're talking about joy, because, because uh, I, I know that sometimes it is really hard to talk about joy. I went through this last Christmas when my brother died. But sometimes when you get around that first major holiday after you lose someone, it's, it's hard. It is hard to talk about joy when everything that you're feeling on the inside is painful. And so I want to remind you, Vineyard Church, that, that we have something specially for you if you're mourning or grieving this season as well. We are creating a new service. We're going to do our normal Christmas Eve services. Uh, it's going to be candlelight. It's going to be beautiful. But we have something unique this Christmas called Blue Christmas. It's going to happen on December 21st. And it's going to be specifically made for anybody who's mourning or grieving or processing deep amounts of pain this Christmas. Where, where, you know, you're just kind of tired of us singing joy to the world over and over and over again. You actually need some space to cry. You need some space to mourn and to sit with God and process some of that pain. This service is designed to create an atmosphere where you can process some of that pain this Christmas. And so we would invite you, if that's you, to come. It's not going to be a service really designed for everybody, but if you want to experience that this Christmas, we would invite you. We would invite you to Blue Christmas. Let me close with this. I, I, I know that within this room, on the spectrum of joy, we're all over the place. There's some who are just like living in, a, in like this elated state of continual joy right now and others are struggling. But no matter where you're at, whether joy is active and present with you right now or joy is like a light at the end of the tunnel, I think the promise of this candle still rings true for us. That God has promised the earth joy. That God has promised you joy. This side of heaven or the next. But the reason why Jesus came the first time is so that we can begin living into that promise of the future. 
I believe wholeheartedly, and this is my prayer for you and this church over the next couple of weeks, that God would show up in your life with unexpected joy. And when it happens, I think the scripture's invitation is clear to share it publicly, to share it privately. Let's pray.